Hi, everyone. I am so excited for you all to hear my incredible conversation with Ali Raisman. Ali just so happens to be an ambassador for Airy, and Airy is the sponsor of today's episode. Airy has been changing the fashion industry with its Airy Real campaign since 2014. Airy Real inspires all people to love their real selves and celebrates its community by advocating for power, positivity, and no retouching. Airy offers the comfiest intimates, apparel, swim, and accessories made to wear in and out. Offline by Airy offers activewear made for real-life movement. Head to Aerie.com to see how you can get involved and learn about the Aerie Real Foundation too. Thanks, and let's get to the show. Hi, and welcome to the Business of Feelings. I'm Danielle Pearson, co-founder and co-CEO of Wondermind, the first of its kind mental fitness ecosystem focused on breaking the stigma surrounding mental health. In this weekly podcast, I sit down with those who have risen the ranks of the business world in a range of industries and discuss something that's often not talked about, their feelings. As an entrepreneur myself with a history of mental health struggles, I know firsthand how important it is to have these conversations and let others know that they are not alone. We all have our own mental health journeys, and it's time we talk about them. Hello, Allie Raisman. I am so, so happy to have you on The Business of Feelings. You are somebody that I have watched since I was in my teens, and I am so inspired by how much mental strength you have and physical strength and the tenacity and talent that you have just in your veins. And so thank you so much for coming on and doing this. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So how are you doing lately? I am doing a lot of reflecting and trying to kind of recharge and take a lot of time for myself lately. I think I've noticed when I'm more aware of how I'm feeling, it's kind of more of an up and down journey, but it makes me more hopeful that I'm on a journey of really working on myself and really figuring out who I am outside of gymnastics, outside of you Googled me and you deleted everything that people see publicly, you know, who would I be? So it's been fun being able to figure out that side of myself and being able to spend more time with my family and friends. That's amazing. And for those who haven't heard you speak about your mental health and mental fitness journey, would you mind describing how that journey has progressed and what you have dealt with and what you're dealing with now? I would say for probably as long as I can remember, I've experienced a lot of anxiety. I can remember, honestly, even as a young child having anxiety, even though it's still more talked about in our world, there's still such a huge stigma around it. And I know so many people are struggling in silence. And even for myself, even though I'm grateful to have a good support system, it still can be really hard to sort of identify or or speak up about what I'm experiencing. But I think over the last many years, I've really tried to be honest with people about what I've experienced, what I'm personally going through therapy for many years. And I think therapy can be so impactful and so helpful. I'm kind of in the stage right now where it almost feels like I'm digging deep into things where it's almost getting worse before it gets better. And so that's sort of very up and down journey. But I'm really just trying to remember that 
it's important for me to just stick with it, be patient, communicate with my therapist, my friends and family. So I'm just kind of taking it day by day. And I think that what's really helped me is recognizing that it might not just be one specific therapist that's going to help me feel better. It's an everyday journey. And some days I might need a little bit more quiet time. Other times I might need a little bit more fun or just Mm -hmm. reading a little bit more. I love gardening, writing in my journal. So I just try to take it day by day and just do what I feel I need right now. And of course, I'm still traveling and working and Mm -hmm. doing calls. So obviously, it's not always I can't always write in my journal if I'm feeling stressed, but I try to take that time for myself each day. Thank you so much for being so vulnerable and transparent. And I like to also let the people that we interview know about my journey. So I have had OCD since I was about six years old, obsessive compulsive disorder. And I didn't tell anybody until it became so debilitating that I actually had to seek help in college. And it was one of the toughest moments of my life. And my my mom's an immigrant from Colombia. My dad's a very old school mentality from New York. And so they were not of the camp of, oh, yes, you should see a therapist. So it was a very lonely journey. But I've also struggled with depression, of course, anxiety, and also suicidal thoughts when I was a teenager. So I think it really is people like you, people who seem so strong in every way saying, Hey, you know, I am strong and I am a badass, but I also deal with these things. That is so inspiring to people. And really the reason why we're doing this show is to show people that even the people that seem like they just have it all together still need that support and still are struggling. Also, what you said about you know, it getting worse before it gets better. I'm actually in the same boat right now dealing with some trauma from my early childhood and teenage years where you almost just don't want to deal with it and you rather just put it under the rug. And then you realize that the more you bury it, the more it's coming out in ways that you never imagined. Is that kind of what happened where you felt like now I have to really focus on the hard stuff? Or were you just like, I'm not going to be able to move on with my emotional journey until I put this stuff to bed? Well, first of all, I definitely can relate to the OCD. I don't know how yours is, but coming from a background of gymnastics, I was always such a perfectionist that I realized that there are certain aspects of OCD I felt like at the time that sort of like I want to do quotations served me because I'm sure if I talked to a therapist they would say it actually didn't help me but at the time I thought it helped me having that sort of perfectionist mentality so it's something I still am navigating and working on and I'm still a perfectionist in my life today and so I've sort of been working on that too. And it's been really interesting and eye-opening just to be aware of how my mind works and how I can get out of some of those unhealthy ways of thinking for me. And I think as it relates to working on myself and doing therapy, I think that for so long, I felt a lot of anxiety that I almost didn't really recognize that it wasn't healthy for me to feel like that. And I think it almost became in my own mind in my own world more normalized. I think it's those days where I feel better and I feel more present that Mm -hmm. I actually realize how much it was unhealthy the way I was feeling so anxious. You know, I feel like anxious in my body and sometimes it was hard to sleep. And so I think 
I've been through a bunch of different therapists and some of them have really helped me and others haven't been as helpful. And so I think it's taken me a really long time to find a therapist that really is working through some of the harder things I've been through. But I guess something that has really resonated with me is I saw a quote recently that said, if you don't pick a day to rest, your body will pick it for you. Oh, I I love that. Yeah, it really resonates with me. And it also resonates, I think, with my mind, too. You know, I kind of also think about, at least in my experience of trauma, it's like when you try to like push something in the water, and it just comes like, Mm -hmm. you know, right back up. And I think that's sort of for me, you know, for years and years, you know, trying to push things down. And I kind of didn't realize that, my world was starting to get smaller and smaller because I was trying to do things that didn't give me anxiety, but then it would be maybe leaving the house a little bit less or would be maybe not doing this or not doing that and trying not to push myself too much when I felt stressed. And then I think before I realized, I was like, wow, my world is getting much smaller. And so going to therapy is not easy. And I think each session is different every day. I feel differently, but I try to just communicate with my therapist. And sometimes my therapist will give me homework for the following week and I'll communicate and I'll say like, that's way too much for me to do this week. What if we did a little bit less of this? We did that maybe once in the week instead of every single day. So I really try to communicate how I'm feeling because at the end of the day, I want to be able to show up you know, I don't want to dread therapy because then I feel like I won't end up going. At least for me, I've learned to communicate with my therapist and just be honest. And the therapist I have now is great, but you know, she really pushes me a lot, which I think is actually more than other therapists have. And I think that's why I really like her and I enjoy seeing her. Yes, absolutely. And something that you touched on that is so important is the fact that you aren't always going to love your first therapist and you can't be afraid to admit that to yourself. And you almost have to have a mindset if you are seeing a therapist for the first time that, hey, maybe it's not the right person. I've had that situation happen to me multiple times. And I love what you said about mentally preparing yourself and saying, I need this because it's going to make me feel better because it almost is doing something that makes you anxious. And sometimes I almost feel like therapy is an exposure for me. And so I have had times and here I am co-CEO and co-founder of a mental fitness and mental health company where I've literally said to my team, I can't do therapy for this month. I just can't handle it. And knowing that that is such a wrong decision and finding that out because I feel even worse, but that it is real that you can have stress before therapy. Some people just like can't wait until it starts because they can't wait to just, you know, say everything they're feeling. And then some people are more like myself. And it sounds like a little bit you where it's almost like, you know, it's going to hurt, but you know that it is going to make you feel better. Yeah. And I totally agree. Taking a month off from therapy was, was the wrong decision for a moment. It almost like made me realize that I think we're often like so much harder on ourselves than we would be to somebody else. And I, although it's been so hard in the moment, I think for me, there's been times where I wish I did something differently. And then I realized that I've learned so much from the different ups and downs. And I think mental health and therapy and working on ourselves is all about trial and error. And like, I 
go back and forth with wondering, am I doing the right amount of therapy? Is it too Mm -hmm. much? Is it too little? And so I think if it was always easy, it wouldn't be challenging us and we wouldn't be learning and growing. And I think sometimes when I actually feel more anxious, I try to reflect on the day or maybe the week of what might have made me more stressed. And in those moments, although those days are really hard to get through, I realize that when I'm feeling more stressed and I'm able to identify what it is, it makes me feel better. It's sort of like process of elimination of like, okay, I learned something from that. So now going forward, as you said, like hoping for the future, I can do this a little bit differently. And then it helps me sort of realize that I'm on the right track. And I also feel like I've let go of this idea that maybe one day I'm going to feel 100% better. And I've sort of just realizing that life is full of ups and downs and people we love sometimes get hurt or people we love get sick. You know, there's so many different things that can happen in our lives that can Mm -hmm. be really traumatic. Some of the things are completely out of our control. And for me, letting go of this idea of like, I'm going to feel so happy every single day has also just helped me realize that it's going to be a work in progress. And it's going to be a roller coaster, it's going to be a journey, but trying to maintain a healthy place where I feel just more comfortable and just get to know myself more, I think is what helps me feel better. I love that. And thank you so much for being, again, so transparent about that because a lot of people aren't real about, you know, that therapy is not the end-all be-all always. There's oftentimes work you need to do in between. And oftentimes some people take medicine like myself, you know, I'm a combination of medicine and therapy. And so just being realistic that sometimes it's hard to find the right therapist, but when you do, it, it really does improve your life, even when it feels like you're opening up old wounds. Um, something you said about homework, which is something that anybody listening that has a therapist has probably been given. The way that Mandy, Selena, and I describe mental fitness is like if in physical fitness, if you were lucky enough to have a personal trainer once a week and you saw them for half an hour or an hour and you had a body goal of having maybe a six pack in six months, you couldn't possibly think that after one session every single week for six months, you're going to have a six pack. You have to do the work in between. And that's really what we feel about mental fitness, where if you are lucky enough to see a therapist, which so many people are not because of the access to that kind of healthcare. But if you are lucky enough, you can't just think that one session a week is going to be enough for your mental health and mental fitness. And so that's why it's really important for us building an ecosystem where you can do the work in between. And it's actually fun. And it doesn't feel like homework. So I guess my question is, what do you do in between therapy sessions when you want to tackle your anxiety or improve or maybe do some of that homework? I also want to mention it wasn't until very recently, like within less than a year that I found a therapist that was actually giving me homework as we talked about in between the sessions. And I Mm -hmm. felt like my issue with My therapy sessions in the past where I felt like I would talk a lot of the session and then I either wasn't getting the advice that was sort of helping me or almost felt like it was like we weren't going deep enough into why I was feeling a certain way. So I also want to add that what's really helped me is just listening to what feels right for me and not being afraid to say this therapist isn't right for me. I want to go to someone else. But 
I think it's important if someone's listening and they don't feel that their therapist is helping them or they feel like they've seen them for a few years and they really enjoyed being with them, but they want to change. I would say, listen to that and, you know, you better than anybody else. And, you know, therapy is certainly not one size fits all. There's so many different types of therapy out there. For me, on the days where I do have therapy, depending on the day, I either try to, you know, make sure that that evening I'm just kind of hanging out with my dog, Milo. I'm maybe reading a book. I'm going to take a bath. I'm going to relax or if it's warm out, go for a nice walk outside. Or sometimes I'll make sure I'll hang out with my friends and just sort of take my mind off of it, sort of depending on what I need or how the session was. So I really am mindful about what I'm actually doing on the days that I do have therapy, whether it is like I want to just write in my journal or reflect, or I just need a break and I want to laugh with my friends and not think about it and have some space from it. And then, you know, I also, I walk a lot, which really helps me. I've found honestly that doing types of Pilates workouts or yoga really helps me a lot more than doing cardio. So I'm doing more of that. But I find that walking a lot is very helpful for me. I also will take my dog Milo to the dog park. I spend a lot of time with him. He's actually sleeping next to me right now. I love spending time with Milo. I set up like dog playdates with some of my neighbors and my friends. And that's always really enjoyable. I love gardening. I've been getting into cooking. Sometimes when I'm just home and hanging out around the house, I'll put on some relaxing music. I really try to really like incorporate a lot of different things to make me feel more relaxed and calm. And then I also have been reading a lot lately and I love reading. And I found that to be honest, the less I personally watch TV, the better that I feel. I sleep Mm -hmm. much better. So I'm also trying to be more mindful of the time that I'm spending on the screen and just trying to be on social media less and just spending more time with my family and my friends. And I also feel like I'm getting more introverted as I get older. That's awesome. And it it is so funny because people try to label you as an introvert or an extrovert. And I feel like I recharge best when I'm alone, but I can definitely get very excited when I'm with people. And so it's so funny how it changes even day by day, but also as you get older, different things are important to you. So I think being open to your your feelings changing and your priorities changing and your personality even changing is a huge part of being open-minded. And I love that you have your dog sleeping next to you. I have two poodles sleeping next to me on either side of my work area. And they are just like my emotional support. And I'm also, I think, their emotional support. (laughs) Animals can be just so, you know, soothing. Hey, everyone. If listening to this episode has you thinking about ways to prioritize mental fitness, aka working on your mental health however you can, here's something you might want to know. Wondermind teamed up with Ari to create the Mind Body Real Talk worksheet that you can get your hands on for free. Don't worry, it's not like a regular worksheet, it's a cool worksheet featuring exercises to foster more body acceptance, tips for giving better compliments to others and yourself, and more. Download the worksheet from the link in this episode's show notes or find it on wondermind.com slash Now back to the show. I'd love to talk to you about just going back in time to you being at 
a competition. Some were like the Olympics. Uh, one of our lead investors is Serena Williams, and she's become you know a mentor of mine, and she is just such a badass, just like yourself. And tennis and gymnastics, they're very similar where it is kind of like a team sometimes, but sometimes you are out there. It's just you. All eyes are on you. It's totally quiet. It's not like a football game where everyone's yelling and it's just you and your mind. So I wonder, first of all, what was your mindset in any competition or any practice where you were just, it was just you and so many people were looking at you and you knew exactly what you had to do and you've done it a hundred times before, but you just have to do it that one moment and perform. What is your mindset there? Like, what are the emotions that you have? Or are you able to kind of calm those emotions? And do you still feel th- those elevated emotions now? Um, it's funny. I definitely feel those elevated emotions just from you asking the question. I think competing at the Olympics or being on the national team was incredibly high pressure and it was very competitive. And I felt always trying to prove myself and always trying to push myself past my limit. There's five gymnasts that made the 2012 and 2016 teams. So it's very, very competitive. It's really hard to make the team. I think always in the back of my mind, I of course always worried, what if I was sick the day of the Olympics? What if I got injured? I mean, Mm -hmm. I think that pushing those fears aside is hard because the reality is if I did get injured, it's really hard to for that opportunity to come back around. And there's so much years of preparation and work that goes into it. But I really just tried to prepare myself. I worked harder than I ever thought was possible. And I really just wanted to look back and know that I did everything I possibly could. And I could look back with no regrets. And I think when I look back now, I definitely push myself way past what was healthy. But that was a choice that I felt I wanted to do. And I think at the time I was just so obsessed with making that team. And I was such a perfectionist and I really wanted it. And I loved gymnastics from the moment that I started it. And I remember just always looking forward to going to the gym. And as of course, as it got more intense, as I got older, I obviously didn't love it every single day because it was all consuming with my life. But I just tried to prepare myself and, you know, So that the day of the competition, when I felt really nervous, and, you know, I do definitely feel those nerves, I just reminded myself that I've done it so many times before. And I just tried to remind myself just to do a normal routine, no more, no less than I usually do, and just try to block everything out. There's so many cameras in our faces. There's thousands and thousands of people in the arena. It's a majority of the time as I got older by myself with my two coaches. And so it's very different being in a gym by myself versus being in a massive Olympic arena with cameras in my face and all the pressure of, of people watching. And in our country, we were expected to win and people watched expecting us to win. And I think that I definitely felt that if we didn't win, it wouldn't be the same support. And that was that's hard to to navigate as an 18-year-old and a 22-year-old. It's so much pressure. And of course, I think as it's been years since I've competed, I think that it's definitely changing our society slowly, where I think that it's been less emphasis on winning. There's still way too much pressure 
on athletes, but I think that people that watch the Olympics and hopefully the media is starting to realize that we're all human. We feel that pressure and this expectation that the U.S. athlete should win everything is just not healthy and it's not right because even making it that far is amazing. And I wish that the media would celebrate whether someone's first place or whether they compete and their 45th place. We're slowly starting to see a little bit more of that support. But when I was competing, it felt very much like if we didn't win, we wouldn't be invited onto the different award shows or we wouldn't be invited onto different media shows. Some athletes certainly still feel that pressure, but I'm hoping it will get a lot better and totally change. But I think we've moved slowly. But I think that we definitely at least I definitely felt that pressure and I still feel it when you ask me about it. Like I still feel it in my body. It's an immense amount of pressure. And I think that being said, I still am so grateful that I got to experience the Olympics and luckily we did win. So we did get to be celebrated and we got to do a lot of really amazing things, which is so fun. And getting to share that with my teammates was amazing. And it was a lifelong dream. So it was an amazing experience, but it definitely was very, very, very stressful. Well, thank you so much for being so honest and apologies for bringing you back into that mental headspace because I know that that can be so hard, but I know that people listening will appreciate, especially because you did win, how much you wish the emphasis was on just everybody, not just the winners, because you're right, even getting there, being on that team is a one to a trillion chance. So What is something that you have done in the last year or so that has drastically improved your mental health? I would say, honestly, being more mindful of the things that I'm eating has really helped my mental health. I try to do it as much as I can, but I try to cut out gluten and dairy and sugar, and that's really, Mm -hmm. really helped me a lot. It's helped me just feel more in control of my thoughts and more calm. And that's been something that I'm kind of still on a journey of figuring out. I actually can feel a difference if I eat healthier and I, it really makes a big difference. You know, in the beginning, it was really hard to cut out a lot of sugar, but then I felt like as I started to do within a few weeks, I was actually finding myself craving things that weren't sweet, that were more bitter. And so I think in the beginning, it was harder. With more time, I've sort of been craving other things that are healthier, which I think is really interesting. And I'm always interested in learning more about nutrition and how different things affect us differently. And, you know, everyone's body is different. So someone listening might say that dairy is something that's helped their mental health. You know, every body is totally different. And I think that, you know, I could listen to 20 podcasts about someone else's story and maybe one of them or none of them might help me in my own journey. And I think that's what's so challenging about this is that it's not one size fits all. I wish there was like a magic answer, but I also think it's definitely not one thing that has totally transformed or helped me. I really think it's a number of things that I do. For example, if I did therapy for 45 minutes to an hour once a week, and for me personally, if I didn't do anything else, didn't read, which makes me feel relaxed, didn't garden, it would be really hard for me personally to get a benefit out of therapy. For me, I sort of think of therapy as helpful, but I have to do a lot of other things to help enhance the therapy. It's not just something I do one time and then I put it away and then do it again next week. So I really try to incorporate different things that help me feel relaxed when I travel and I'm out of 
a routine, I definitely feel how it affects my mental health because I wasn't able to do some of the things that were relaxing me. So I just am trying to become more aware of that. Those are great tips. Thank you so much for sharing. And yeah, it definitely is always a work in progress. It's crazy how much the things you put inside of your body affect your mental health and well-being. So I love those tips. Allie, as a business person. I don't even like to say business woman because we're just business people. We're just boss. We don't have to have a girl boss in front of it. How do you feel you are a business person in your unique way? What makes you feel like you are building the Ali Raisman empire? I try to, you know, in my quiet moments when I'm home, I try to really reflect on who I am and really think about things that I'm passionate about, just really trying to have partnerships that are really meaningful to me and things that I really incorporate into my everyday life. And I try to be vulnerable and real. I have learned a lot of different things over the years, and I feel very grateful for all the people that I've met along the way and all the things that I've learned. So I feel very lucky that I'm able to chat with people who are also passionate about things I'm passionate about and chat with people who have other passions that now make me passionate because I'm learning something new from them. You know, I am very, very grateful. I've had a relationship with Ari for about five years, which I feel so lucky to be able to be partnered with such wonderful people and such a wonderful brand. They've personally helped me on my mental health journey of just reminding me to just embrace who I am. And they want me to just be who I am. They're never trying to change me. They're always supportive of me. And that just means so much. And even when you go in the airy dressing rooms, there's like a ton of sticky notes covering the mirror. And they're just all these really nice notes of all these kind things. And it's just such an amazing reminder for me personally, just to be kind to myself, being mindful of the way that I'm talking to myself. And, you know, someone else gave me really great advice years ago. And they said, your career will be built off of saying no. Mm -hmm. And that's something I think that myself and my team have really thought a lot about of, you know, there's a lot of opportunities that come my way. But you know, I'd say we decline a lot of them because it might not fit into my values, or it might be promoting something that I would never use. And so I also recognize the power of social media and how people really are so intelligent and so aware of if I'm promoting something that is authentic to me, the people who follow me, like they can see that if I were to promote something that I don't use, people would be able to see that. And I think being authentic is what I want to see from other people and I want to see from myself. And then I also think it's what other people want too, which I think it's so great that we live in a time where people can see through that and they want to support brands that are doing good that are not just selling a product. That's amazing. And everything you said about Aria is exactly why Wondermind is a partner of theirs, because truly they have been authentic from the start before it was cool to not airbrush models and to show people of all shapes and sizes that are normal and not supermodels. So when you retired from gymnastics, you really took on this new role. How do you describe your new role? Do you describe yourself as a business person and you, um, your name is your brand? How do you look at your day-to-day work? How would you describe yourself on like a LinkedIn profile? 
I mean, it's an interesting question. Um, I've actually never been asked that question before. I think that I would probably describe myself maybe multiple different things, but I feel like what I feel so grateful for is that I'm able to do a lot of different projects at a time that I'm really passionate about. So I feel really lucky to be able to learn new things and to be able to connect with so many different people. But I definitely would consider myself a business person. I feel like lately I've been also really passionate about financial literacy and learning Mm -hmm. about that. And I think that a lot of people don't really understand a lot about their own finances. I wish that financial literacy was taught in school. I wish it was Mm -hmm. more easy for people to understand. And I think that if I have a conversation with someone and trying to learn more, there's all these like really confusing buzzwords and mm-hmm. everything like that. The system is so set up to be so exclusive and complicated. And so I'm really passionate about learning more so that I can figure out a way to hopefully use my platform to help make it really easy and accessible for other people to understand their own finances because Mm -hmm. I wish everyone in the world had financial freedom. Oh, I love that answer. And I think if you did have a LinkedIn, you would not be able to fit all of the things you are on it. There would be so many hyphens. You are a business person and an advocate and inspiration. And those are incredibly entrepreneurial things to be. I absolutely love how you pointed out that financial literacy isn't really something that you are just born having. And there are so many different routes to success nowadays, especially with social media democratizing who gets the spotlight and who doesn't. And so it is so incredibly important for there to be tools out there that are helping people that maybe didn't go to college or don't look like the typical person that is successful. So my very last question, what is one feeling, because this show is called The Business of Feelings, what is one feeling that you feel right now and why? Um, I would say I'm focusing on Milo sleeping on me right now. So I feel a lot of love for Milo and I'm looking forward to hanging out with my friends later today. That's beautiful. Well, thank you so much for being so raw and real, Ali. You are such an inspiration to so many. And it's so nice to be able to have people like you showcase what's inside. Have a great rest of your day and have fun with your friends. Awesome. Thank you so much. You too. Well, that's it for this week's episode of The Business of Feelings. Thank you for joining me today. I really hope this episode was helpful for you in some way. Whether you learned something new, became inspired to prioritize your own mental fitness, or just felt a little less alone about being a human who has feelings in this world, like we all do. Don't forget to subscribe to The Business of Feelings on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want access to more mental fitness content, make sure to check out wondermind.com or sign up for our tri-weekly newsletter. I'll see you next time when we're back with another great guest being open and honest about their feelings as they build their empires. Our theme song is written and produced by John Levine and the business of feelings is produced by Wondermind and Big Din Productions. Thanks for listening.